deep in London's beating heart lies a wall A locked door it be if you know the call For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see Cause the wizard world is opened up as has the griffin Hello everyone and welcome to the Shrieking Shack This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for Laps fans I'm your host Cece And I'm Liz And Liz... We are in in week two, week two of of a song of, of Gaming Thrones being back, unleashed upon the world once more. The song of Gaming Thrones is back. They made more than one episode. <laughs> they did, and I, I gotta say, second one was all right. Uh, but I'm not here to, to 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 talk about that. Except I would like to know: Are you like seeing it around the like the world? Has it been talked about at work? What's the temperature out there? I. <laughs> I've heard nothing about it at like work or anything. Okay. All I all I see it on is um our favorite twenty four hour news network CNN. <laughs> what are they talking about it on CNN? Uh, you know, it's just like enter- entertainment news. Uh, a song Game of Thrones came out. People are people. <laughs> there's buzz. People are talking about it. <laughs> That's really funny. I guess CNN in particular would be interested in like the the money fandom side of it, probably. Oh yeah, it's money fandom stuff. It's for money sure. fandom stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. No, it's 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 out there. It's it's just there are a couple of things where like even if I'm not watching it and and or like even if I don't like it, seeing it happening is comforting, you know. And like I think a Game of Thrones every Sunday was such a like staple thing in the world for like nine years that like that that being back again is is weirdly comforting. It's sort of like um like knowing that Green Day is still putting out albums, you know? Oh yeah, for sure they are. I'm not listening to them, but they are making them. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yep, they don't seem to be stopping. Do you think that the um our new Game of Thrones are they are they gonna go for um the sort of uh I want to say like the twists and turns that people are all abuzz about, right? Like, remember when the Red Wedding happened and it yeah. was just, like, the hot news? So do you think they're going to going for the same sort of vibe? So this is based on Fire and Blood, which is, like, a sort of, like, fake history book written from a maester's perspective. So, like, mm-hmm. it's like a fake historian writing a history book sure. that you can't fully trust like like in like because it's a character writing it right 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 and it i don't know if it gets into enough like nitty gritty stuff where there's enough for you to like point to the source material and go oh this episode will be crazy you know what mm-hmm, i mean Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's so zoomed out so i feel like they're gonna have to like create those moments and that's gonna be like I think that'll be like where it sort of like it is like make or break, right? It's like like can they like carve out their own version of that to keep the water cooler talk going, or like is it you know not having a, a, as much of a character driven focus in the original book going to make that stuff fall flat? I don't know. Weird, weird space to be in, maybe. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we shall see every Sunday to see if um the money fandom is a buzz on CNN. Apparently more people watched the second episode than the first, which is, like, already, like, the craziest amount of people ever watched the first one. So whatever they're doing, you know, so far, seems like it's it's working. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure I would say I recommend it yet. I'm just really enjoying having it back. But the Green Day thing reminds me. We, we have a, a, uncovered a conspiracy 
mm-hmm. that I I would like to briefly address. Yeah. Where where are all the videos of Trey Cool at the Williams Sonoma Music Festival? The Williams Sonoma Music Festival. We know he's there. <laughs> we we know he was there. The the drummer of the hit band Green Day, Trey Cool. Um, he was playing a drum a drum kit made of Williams Sonoma pots and pans. <laughs> And the video, the video has been taken down from the, the Williams Sonoma YouTube missing. channel. With the only proof that we have is is a blog post referring to the fact that he was there, and a video someone else uploaded of like him going on stage. But I don't think you hear him doing anything, right? Or like it's not, you know, it's it's not the video of his performance or anything. Mm-hmm. And I want to know what where happened. Is, where is the footage of Trey Cool? playing the fake drums uh it those <laughs> so i think th- this is a callback to a like very very early common room i think i i can't actually can't even remember if we covered this on common room maybe not i i know because we covered william sonoma yes william sonoma the like the like fancy kitchenware company has a stage at a california music festival where they do like product tie-in stuff and you know they do they did a lot of harry potter products and so that's how we sort of fell down this rabbit hole a few years ago but the trey cool video i just remember being incredibly funny because the drums sound like shit because they are made out of pots and pans (laughs) (laughs) um and it's gone and i want to know i want to know where (laughs) where trey cool's williams sonoma drum performance is yeah well and even looking for this um God, I don't even remember why we were looking for it again, but we found out that like the year later, or maybe a couple years later, they got Mike Durnt, uh, yeah, the got... other member of Green Day, uh, so th- they're just mis- missing Billy Joe. They've got two out of three Green Day guys Yeah, here. We got, we got to get Billy there. I don't know what he would do. Well, uh, no, I, 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 wait, I forget. Does Billy... Does Billy Joe play guitar, or is he just the singer? He plays he guitar. Pl- he plays guitar. Yeah, Absolutely, yeah, so he band. does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he plays a guitar. Yeah, okay. So you could, yeah, you could make a guitar out of a uh, rolling pin or something. I don't know. <laughs> then, then we could, uh, then we could get him there. They could get the whole band. But, 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 but we need Trey's videos back. Mm-hmm. Um, we were scouring scouring uh, uh the green day mem- band members twitters to try and find the the video but alas it, it is like gone it's not on their twitters it's not on william sonoma's website or twitter it's not on youtube like anywhere i think the last thing that i need to check is if i go back like in our discord like to three or four years ago when we first found <laughs> it is that vi- like it does that youtube link still exist somewhere but i haven't rolled up my sleeves and, and gone that far back yet but right uh, right we know it exists like there's there's a video I, I think it has like three or four views on youtube right now one of them is me um of an audience <laughs> member viewing trey cool on the stage at williams sonoma right we um, know it happened we it definitely we... happened <laughs> it's the same it's a it's the same festival where william sonoma brought out snoop dogg to mix the world's largest gin and juice for the guinness book of world records right yeah um, that one's still up i think yeah, that one's that one's still there, um, but uh, but Trey Trey's Trey Trey's you know pots and pans drums 
nowhere to be found. So, mm-hmm. so kind of a, a new, a new mystery to, to uncover there, I guess. Um, Jesus Christ. I went to look for <laughs> the Mike Durnt, uh, clown tweet that was really good. Um, <laughs> and he's changed his profile picture to be like a Muppet version of himself that is very scary since yeah, I last, yeah. since I sat last looked. Um, God, where was the clown tweet? Uh, Mike, or is it Trey? Was it Trey or Mike that did the, the clown bit? Trey Gosh, cool I can't clown. remember. Trey cool clown. It's a really good tweet. Uh, uh, this is really important as excavation work I'm doing here. <laughs> Uh, all year long, clowns are dominating all over the headlines. That's Trey Cool. Is that Trey Cool? Yeah. That's Trey Cool. All year long, clowns are dominating over the headlines. So true, (laughs) Trey. (laughs) And they're, the clowns are deleting videos of your performance at the Williams-Sonoma stage at this music festival. Um, this is all a very roundabout way for me to, uh, uh, ease us in, ease us in to our news segment this week. Have a little fun at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we, we do, unfortunately, we've got to, we've got to get our spray bottles out and we've got to talk about Joe. Um. No, take me back to Bottle Rock 2016 <laughs> Trey Cool Williams Sonoma stage. <laughs> okay, I'll read you one more Trey Cool tweet and then we'll okay. talk. About it. How about that? Thank you. Uh, uh, this is written. It's hard for me. I, I will try my best to read it the way it's written, where like most of the words are like mashed together. New Mexico, you captured our hearts. Tonight, Green Day belongs to the people. We are your friends and neighbors. We are the freaks and the weirdos. We are the freaks and the weirdos. We are the freaks and the weirdos. Thank you, Green Day. Um, okay, but now, now, now is the time we must, we must don our, uh, protective gear and enter, uh, the newsroom and mm-hmm. talk about J.K. Rowling's, uh, latest and greatest novel and some of her pu- recent public statements that she made this week. <laughs> um, the, uh, Ink Black Heart, the latest entry in the Cormoran Strike mystery series, um, there are a couple of reviews published, I guess they're in like print newspapers, so there's not like a wide, uh, g- gamut of reviews just yet, but the two that exist, uh, one is three out of five and is kind of middling and the other one is a brutal <laughs> review titled no crime novel needs to be 1012 pages long. She just can't stop herself. She cannot stop herself. Like, 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 J.K. Rowling fully unleashed uh, ever since finishing Harry Potter, which was already, I think, you know, towards the end, was, uh, was, uh, uh, you know, editorless and rudderless and, and just full on indulgence at that point. Right, right. Um, the Ink Black Heart. So, unfortunately, the full review, it's paywalled. Like I said, it's from a print publication. It's the Sunday Times. So, I can't read the whole um, uh, review, but I can pull out a fun detail from the header here, uh, which is that um, uh, for some reference, uh, this is a quote from the the uh, critic here. The only other thousand plus page novels on my shelves are Infinite Jest and Against the Day by Thomas Pynchon. 
<laughs> so like in you know fairly infamous novels uh 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 lengthwise um what if you were reading a basic detective story that long that sounds great doesn't that sound fun a uh, basic detective story by an author uh, notorious for being good at putting clues in the right order <laughs> that's right god that like i i i have a, a dark compulsion to read one of these just to see you know if between harry potter and these books whether she like learned how to pace a mystery you know and like where to put clues and stuff (laughs) um because usually in harry potter what she would do is put the clue about a page before it was necessary to to the plot so (laughs) um if if it's a thousand pages of that, that sounds brutal. Even without her uh, her uh, behavior kind of looming over the book, um, mm-hmm. but also as well as being uh, way too long and and kind of a brick that you might be able to kill someone with if you dropped it. Um, <laughs> could you take a wild guess about what this book might be about? What's the mystery about? Me. Well, I guess you know. I, I, I do guess know. This, I'm like trying to. Yeah, I, I guess I, that was more of a question posed posed to our audience who might not know. Um, um, but no. Uh, uh, would whatever you, would you, could it be? What, whatever could it be, Liz? Liz, could you could you describe to me the plot or the premise? I suppose of the Ink Black Heart. Sure. My understanding is that it is it is about the creator of a cartoon. Who has a fan base that is so toxic that they're accusing the cartoon maker of transphobia, ableism, and racism. And this has fired up a toxic fandom, and then the cartoonist is murdered. Was it the toxicity of the fandom, or was there someone with ulterior motives getting them all fired up? Bum bum bum. Uh, J.K. Rowling maintains that this has nothing to do with her own her own life. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking come on! Like holy shit! How there? There's something that I think has shifted with J.K. Rowling that I I don't know if I could like wholeheartedly attribute this to like her uh uh finally being rattled by the by the like pushback against her mm-hmm. but i feel like there's a weird new um i i guess like like defensiveness or like or or like shiftiness in the way that she is portraying her views and stuff now I feel like the J.K. Rowling of, like, four or five years ago would have just released this book and said, yeah, it's about, like, like this is about me. Of course it is. You know, right. like, deal with, deal with it. But she, according to, let me find the quote here. Um, uh, yeah, so this is from Rolling Stone. Uh, Despite the clear similarities to her own life, Rowling claimed to Graham Norton that it's all just a big coincidence. I should make it really clear after some of the things that have happened the last year that this is not depicting that, she said. I had written the book before certain things happened to me online, she continued. I said to my husband, I think everyone is going to see this as a response to what happened to me, but it genuinely wasn't. (laughs) The first draft of the book was finished at the point certain things happened. Like, 
no, I'm sorry. No, it was not. And, like, how dumb do you think we are? <laughs> like, You don't get to say coincidence about one, your actions, and two, right. the book you wrote. <laughs> it is a coincidence, the things I have said and done, and the book I wrote. And the book I wrote that suspiciously involves someone being persecuted for doing the exact same things that I do. That's so crazy, Joe. That's wild. That's such a crazy coincidence. I think the thing that kills me about this is what she said, like, no, it couldn't be because I wrote this like three years ago or whatever. And it yeah. was three years ago that we were having um, her middle age moment tweet thing. So it's not even... Right. <sighs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, the t the timeline all matches up. <laughs> yeah, like, the, the thing she says about, uh, uh, you know, having taken this long to write it may be true, but that doesn't, if it is true, that, that completely does not exonerate her of piecing the plot together out of this stuff, right? Like, like kind of a, a, a weird excuse. And again, just own it. Like, like she... <sighs> She's been so, uh, uh, like, like confidently evil, I guess, for so long mm -hmm. that this feel this feels like uh, uh, just such a ridiculous lie to try and to try and get around. Coupled with, by the way, uh, another hilarious lie she told this week, um, where uh, <laughs> this is from the AV Club. J.K. Rowling swears she she chose not to be part of Harry Potter anniversary special. <laughs> Yeah, I bet. Uh, sa yeah, same, same. I guess interview with Graham Norton, uh, radi radio interview, um, where she says, and this is so good because this is this is her, uh, both having it both ways. We're like trying to say that actually she wasn't not asked to to come, and also like throwing some shots at people. Um, I was asked to be on that and decided I didn't want to do it, said Rowling to Norton. I thought it was about the films more than the books, quite rightly. That's what the anniversary was about. The writer added, no one said don't come. I was asked to do it and I decided not to. Uh, eventually, Norton goes on to ask Rowling if she still kept keeps in touch with the young actors, bringing up the Hogwarts trio's public condemnation of her uh, transphobic statements. Yes, I do, replied Rowling. I mean, some more than others, but that was always the case. You know, some I knew better than others. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, that's not, yeah, that's not really the tack she's taken before. Remember that excruciatingly long video of her, like, <laughs> calling Ron her, or uh, calling Rupert Grint, like, her favorite ginger or whatever at the <laughs> Deathly Hallows premiere? Yeah. And, like... <laughs> giving that like long eulogy to, for the series to each and every actor on stage right huh, right weird. oh i didn't know some of them actually just amazing we're in petty joe era which is kind of sad really oh it's super pathetic <laughs> the whole a thousand pages about about a, a a totally not her YouTube cartoonist who gets canceled and murdered, totally unrelated. Uh huh, Joe. <laughs> I mean, what a what a it's like it's so pathetic. Just because it would be normal to say like yes, 
my writing has drawn from my own experiences. Like, in a vacuum, that's such a normal thing to say. But of course, in this case, no, it's a coincidence. Yeah, it's a total coincidence that the the, the villains in the book are, uh, according to this quote from Rolling Stone, social justice warriors which is an amazing tip for her to be on in 2022 by the way like <laughs> she's gonna write a book in like 2029 that's called like the the blue the blue haired pronoun haver that's a mystery she's gonna have to have cormoran strike solve like mm-hmm. just just so sad um god i i don't want to read this book but at the same time i'm like if a, if, if a copy falls off the truck, you know, I kind of want to go through this and find some excerpts about the this mysterious YouTuber <laughs> victim. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's very funny. What was the quote you found that was about where she was like claiming it was based on a on like a TV show fandom? Oh, cartoon? yeah. Let me uh, open our discord or here real quick um rolling spoke too about why she chose to depict a toxic online fandom the way she does in ink black heart namely using an animated cartoons following online she claimed that while she was plotting the story quote three years ago she asked her children what online fandom they thought qualified as the worst they said it was a certain animated cartoons fan sites rolling checked those sites and agreed with her children's judgment that's from gosh what's that just unhinged website about J.K. Rowling. Oh. The Hogwarts professor. The Hogwarts professor. Yes, yes. The, the, <laughs> yes, the Hogwarts professor thoughts for serious readers website, which was mm-hmm. part of our third segment rogues gallery. Yeah. Uh, uh, way back in, uh, in the Harry Potter uh, book era. Um, I, I briefly skimmed. <laughs> their um their predictions for the ink black heart and the first one is prediction one strike will take up vaping (laughs) (laughs) uh rereading trouble blood for the first time since noticing rolling vaping in a photo taken earlier this year which i had not seen somehow it's from that like awful gathering of turfs that she went to earlier mm-hmm, this year mm-hmm. um but there there was a photo that i missed in there of her just like hitting a huge vape <laughs> which is which like <laughs> it was one of the first times in years i've been like oh i wish i liked jk rolling at all right because this is a really funny picture <laughs> Oh, it belongs up there with the photos of her looking awkward around the queen. Um, she used to hang out with the fucking queen of England. Like, right, right. This is how far you've fallen. Like, you know, you still have a fucking billion dollars and whatever, untouchable. But going from, like, audiences with a monarch to, like, vaping with a bunch of turfs in a pub is so fucking pathetic. Like, Jesus Christ. And writing a 1,000-page novel taking down the SJWs. <laughs> a 1,000-page novel about how you are the most persecuted author ever to live. <laughs> Incredible. It's so fucking good. Um, and just sad. Yeah. Like, like... I, I guess her kids. I, I, you know what? I, I will believe. I will believe one, one molecule of the story and say that I am sure 
that uh, uh, she like read about the Voltron fandom or something and was like, wow, that's ju- they're just like me for real or something. But uh... yeah, um, what, what <laughs> cartoons could it be? That was my, one of my first thoughts. Voltron. I was mm. like, maybe we, uh, maybe they, she went on Equestria Daily, although I don't know how toxic that could be. Mm. Um, what are some other ones? If, if if like within this window, it would be like, uh, it was so the the article that you found like suggested Rick and Morty, which I thought was really funny because I really doubt that. No, I, it's like the wrong kind of toxic too. Yeah, they're like arguing about getting special sauce from McDonald's. It's not. It's not the same. They're it's not, not like, like fans have turned on their creator, right? Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I, yeah, I, I could be wrong there. Um, um, so like Voltron definitely applies. Uh, I mean, like take your pick of like the Disney uh, uh, cartoons that have like mm-hmm. really, really uh, excitable fandoms. Sure. Um, but there's not there's like that's the thing right is there there's there's plenty that like sort of fit the bill but there's nothing at all that overshadows the JK Rowling story right mhm like it would be one thing if like she went through something that was like coincidental uh 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 to and like you know if there were, if there was i don't know if 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 um if the creators of like some some Disney cartoon had had suddenly become like the leader of a hate movement and had a lot of backlash against them and the show had gotten canceled that was and it was like huge news mm-hmm. that'd be something but that that kind of has I don't know I don't remember anything like that happening it's it's like like she is the poster child for like this exact phenomenon right like. <laughs> Like who else could it be about? Uh, yeah, it's 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 bizarre. I, I I don't know. I don't know who she thinks she's fooling with that with that lie, right? No, no. It's very funny that she would say that, though. <laughs> this book. How do you write? So, like a thousand page mystery. That's pretty tough. I mean, you can write a long mystery, um, but 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 a thousand page boilerplate crime novel. That's pretty tough. Writing a thousand-page crime novel about, like, a YouTuber who got killed. Like, 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 such a, such a, sounds like there's such a narrow characterization of both ends of the crime here. You know what I mean? Like, this is short story territory. Yeah, we're, we're in novella, novella yeah. town for sure. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess we should... I guess, I guess I'll I guess I'll like look I'll I'll see if 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 uh, if in any turnip trucks have dro- dropped a copy off by my house sometime because um, I would love to read some excerpts from this thing it sounds nightmarish perhaps it is focused on the romance ah this of course the 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 romance the romance between Strike and Robin I wonder if he grabs her boob and like dangles her off of a balcony with it again in this one. <laughs> Oh God! Um, but yeah, so new new book, new 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 statements. Uh, uh, she's back. J.K. Rowling is back. Unfortunately, um, I hope she goes away very quickly. 
because <laughs> it's been nice you know how nice it's been not having to talk about her every week you know like it's been it's been a breath of fresh air yeah but uh but wowie zowie i uh i i this 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 was just too good to pass up um what do you think her next mystery will be about now that she's sort of kind of like blown the load on this one you know like th- like this is like your one you kind of get one shot at writing this like autobiographical up on the cross mystery, right? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know where you go from there. Um, although I guess that um, she put uh, Rita Skeeter in book what, like four. So That's that was true. her kind of like version of that because she was like, oh, the paparazzi or whatever. Yeah. Um, I saw some stuff on the subreddit that was saying that, like, she has said something about the, like, real world timeline and not wanting to write into, into COVID. Huh. Interesting. Like, cause she, cause it's all like tied to like real, real world events a little bit. Like that stuff is happening in the background, but she doesn't want to go into COVID. So all the subreddit's like speculating how many more there could be. Right. I guess, too, <sighs> this is also maybe a retread of sort of – because she she did a, a like, punished author one of these already, didn't she? It was, like, an author who was writing some stuff that was really twisted and got people pissed off. And it yeah, was, like, a, something like, like, like a freedom of expression murder mystery thing. I mean, I guess she can always just do another because there's been like two two of them now. I guess that are just like you know insanely transphobic general mystery murder mystery novels, right? So she can always go back to that well, but but this this just feels like you know she had a shot to like write her big story about this and blew it on a thousand page entry in the novel that only people who are absurdly dedicated to her work at this point uh, are gonna are gonna read. Right, right. Um, I don't know. Sad, 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 pathetic. Uh, many, just, 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 just all around, kind of depressing. Uh, her saying that it's just a coincidence, though, is golden. It's. Mm, I felt. I felt like when you like hear the Perry sound, like the successful Perry sound in a <laughs> in a Dark Souls. Uh-huh. Or something when when I read that, just like oh oh really oh <laughs> you don't say <laughs> oh my god um but yeah so there there you are all caught up on the on the nastiest news of the week um shall we take a turn into something more positive and 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 uh, enter the world of, of vampires and and uh and mystery instead yeah yeah let's do it okay we have an interesting split finally again this week um and i think what we're gonna do is do the twilight chapter first as in summary and then discussion and then when we're done with that we will do midnight sun summary and then discussion um and uh, I, uh my chapter was chapter 20 uh and i'm trying to remember what what uh, uh impatience i nearly said interrogations but that was another chapter mm-hmm. um but yeah uh the summary goes as follows bella wakes up in a hotel and her memory of how she got there is hazy 
She slowly pieces together a few details of the long drive from Forks to Phoenix just before Alice enters the room to check on her. Alice notes that Bella could probably use some more sleep. However, Bella is too wound up to doze off any longer. She joins Alice and Jasper in their separate room, where they are sitting and waiting for Carlisle and Edward to call them on their cell phone. Bella catches on that it has been longer than either of their, her vampire companions were expecting, and starts getting agitated. To calm down, Bella makes small talk with Alice and asks how she became a vampire. Alice warns that Edward explicitly told her not to tell Bella this, but relents and explains the mechanics of how vampires are turned, painfully, with vampire venom. However, that's all she can share, as she does not remember how exactly it happened for her. Finally, the phone rings. Carlisle and Edward have chased James to the ends of the earth, but he has slipped through their fingers. Apparently, he has boarded a plane. While speculating on what could have happened, Alice has a vision of a changed future and describes a mysterious pair of rooms to Jasper and Bella. After puzzling over a drawing Alice provides, Bella realizes that she knows where James might be and calls her mom to uh, warn her not to fly to Phoenix. The call goes to voicemail, so all Bella can do is leave a message before she finally falls asleep again. So, like, her mom's going to get that voicemail once the plane lands, right? I, assu I assume that's what's going to happen here. <laughs> the suspense the suspense is killing me. Yeah, um, a, th a thriller. A thrill. This, this chapter, I, I think this might be my favorite chapter of the book so far. Um, which is a weird thing to say because very little actually happens in it. I kind of have to dig deep to, to, to write the summary here, mm -hmm. but it, it reaches into like my favorite bag of twilight tricks that Stephanie Meyer has. Mm -hmm. Um, we have, uh, noir Bella, some very, very characterful descriptions of, of, of like setting here. Um, we have, some great character interactions from Al uh, Alice and Jasper, who are have been kind of like minor characters for most of the book, and are finally getting a little chance to to uh, to shine here. Um, and I left the end of my summary intentionally a little vague here because the the little like linguistic puzzle brain teaser that they do with Alice describing the mysterious room she sees and how Bella figures it out is like pretty clever and fun. I had a really good time with it. Cute. Yeah, I it was just a it was just like this just felt like a nice thriller chapter in a way that I I was very satisfied with. Yeah, I I almost feel like we need to set aside that this is happening in the last Tenth of the yeah. book, right? Uh -huh. <laughs> like we've got a little, a little uh, vampire thriller short story happening. Yeah, yes. I mean, like th th this, this introduction is so strong that I, I know we've talked to death for like the past like two or three episodes about how like all of this stuff should have been sewn a little earlier in the book, you know. Um, so, so like we, we, we know, you know. Well, like, 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 I, I, I can't, I can't, like, go too hard on this chapter for for having that same problem, right? It just is what it is at this point. Mm -hmm. But if there was, if that, if I could wave a magic wand and um and change like one thing about this book, if I could only choose one thing to like rearrange, I think I would replace the prologue and first chapter 
with the first half of this chapter, I think. Interesting. Or maybe not even the first half, but this description of her wake because she like wakes up, she's not really sure where she is. She like hazily pieces together some images of like, we were driving really fast to get here. No one was talking. I don't remember how exactly I ended up in this room. And then she like opens the, the blinds and like has this very like noir Bella inner monologue describing the, the city at, at, at night and so on. Um, it, it's just, like, really atmospheric, and also, like, despite the fact that there really is no mystery about how they got there, because this is happening in linear order, um, <laughs> this, the, the tone, the, like, the feeling of mystery, it's like, it, it, this is, like, drenched in that. It's like when you watch the pilot of a new show, and you're like, ooh, like, how, how do we get to this point, you know? Like, like, it's just, like, a really arresting visual um to start with right right um, yeah i love that as a prologue it's it's really cool it, it again this this reminds me a bit of the um the chapter where they go to the beach and all of a sudden stephanie meyer starts flexing this very purple scene description stuff that i'd been complaining about there being none of before you know mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's back here and and just like well well deployed. I, I I wish that she had sort of sprinkled it in a bit more evenly throughout the book, but when it when it's there, it's great. I I don't know. Like this is just, this just has such a such a vibe, such a setting, such a such a great sense of place and time and like mood here. Um, the 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 feeling of getting a phone call you don't want to get but know is coming is just like the whole chapter here, right? And like it's it's. It's dis- it's described in a very relatable way here. Is it a long chapter? Not particularly. Mine was about sixteen pages, I think. Mm-hmm. How about yours? Like, 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 not to get into yours, but, 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 like, how long comparatively? Mine was or- about that, maybe a okay. little bit longer, but not too bad at all. Um, once we once we hit this thriller right at the end, it just. I, it just really tightens up. Yeah, yeah, because we we had like, I, I I in 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 on the Twilight side of things, I have had much longer chapters about smaller things happening. You know, mm-hmm. the, this this just feels like the pace is just getting getting. It's it's just right here. Uh, you know, in a way that it sometimes has gone overly long or has gone kind of undercooked a little bit in some chapters but th- this is this is my goldilocks chapter this is just right this is this is the this is the feeling i wanted from twilight mm-hmm. just just delivered uh some just some great lines and descriptions here do you mind if i read a uh, a paragraph about the about the setting here oh please do I was still awake when we came through a shallow mountain pass and the sun behind us now reflected off the tiled roofs of the valley of the sun I didn't have enough emotion left to be surprised that we'd made a three-day journey in one. I stared blankly at the wide, flat expanse laid out in front of me. Phoenix, the palm trees, the haphazard lines of the intersecting freeways, the green swaths of golf courses and turquoise splotches of swimming pools all submerged in a thin smog and embraced by the short, rocky ridges that weren't really big enough to be called mountains. The shadows of the palm trees slanted across the freeway, defined, sharper than I remembered, paler than they should be. Nothing could hide in these shadows. The bright open freeway seemed benign enough, but I felt no relief and no sense of homecoming. That's impressive. 
it's really good stuff, right? Like it's you know, it is noir detective monologuing stuff, but the these nothing could hide in these shadows is a great fucking line. Like I I I like the tone here a lot. Yeah, it's it's not the you know, it's still not the best prose ever, but no. but damn is it evocative. It's very evocative. And really what more could you ask for from a like, you know, paperback romance novel about a vampire? Uh, right. Yeah, this this is this is good shit. There have been so many instances of Stephanie Meyer sometimes it's 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 felt like she's been reaching for genre staples and using them kind of clumsily. I think the best example was the recent thing with the the like when we were talking about like how Edward and and Rosalie's argument just felt like it had kind of been dropped in from a a Regency story with no context. Mm-hmm. But this feels like 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 that kind of thing transcribed perfectly into a vampire novel. Uh, it, it, you know, it's 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 th- this this feels like it could be from any number of um like crime novels. It, like this this is a scene in a Michael Mann movie. This this is a <laughs> this is a classic just like calm before the storm thriller scene, and it it just it it translates very nicely with these characters. Finally, it's a it's a great change of pace. It it makes me so curious about her other novels. Yeah, I don't think that they're well received at all. I don't I don't think people like them. But I'm, I really wonder if they are as romance forward as Twilight is or if they Mm -hmm. are like thriller forward. Yeah, we <laughs> there are, there are, are uh, several um, fans on 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 the Patreon uh, who comment on the episodes are really like really 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 want us to read the Chemist, which I think I'd never had that much interest in at one point. But reading this, I'm like, you know, maybe I do want to see her write just a full on thriller. Maybe it would work. I don't know. I mean, like, isn't, isn't that the thriller with the sexy torturer character? Yeah, yes, it's her writing like a Hannibal slash like, like, like if if Hannibal was also the blacklist, you know, it's like one <laughs> the, the two two great tastes that maybe work well together. Uh, story <laughs> from the sounds of it. Um. But it, but it is like not supernatural, right? Like it's a, it's a, uh-huh. it's a, it's a um, kind of a spy thriller thing. So I'd be curious to see if maybe that's her real calling. Uh-uh. I mean, I don't think the supernatural stuff is her calling. No, all these true. the vampires are way too op. It's not very interesting. <laughs> There's also the host, which is sort of a sci-fi novel, right? Uh-huh. So. Uh, yeah, I would. Be, I I am now. I think now more than ever, more curious about her other work that's not Twilight, um, mm-hmm. because I I think whenever you know it's it's kind of hit or miss whenever she reaches for these other genres, but like uh, occasionally it just hits hard, um, and and she finds like a rich vein of like genre staple stuff to like dig into and it's so funny that she does that in this book with everything but vampire fiction (laughs) (laughs) like willfully avoiding the rich rich veins of vampire fiction (laughs) um most of the time not even touching on them accidentally no like purposefully avoiding like just you know having having edward in the car say like the garlic thing's fake the steak thing's fake uh uh the cross thing is fake just like all 
every like fun vampire thing just doesn't matter doesn't exist they don't have fangs fuck me um but yeah no like similar similar to some of the stuff last week i think that there's a a sense of like yeah this is like born movie stuff and it it works and i think also something that really helps this chapter is that alice is a character that i have wanted the story to dig into a little more because she sort of has honestly similar to like all the vampires in twilight she has like main character syndrome like Mm -hmm. she's so much more interesting than like edward ever is um and she she is finally i think given a a a spot to shine here um in a way that isn't just her being like quirky you know what i mean yeah yeah tell me about alice (sighs) alice is interesting here because she is acting very protective and and like like she's very protective and familial and like kind of kind of like intimate with Bella here but there's also like no hiding the fact that she's a vampire and she's not being she's also like not stepping out of her comfort zone it's it's not like Edward where Edward like keeps on trying to be personable and then jokes about how like ooh it's so hard around humans i never know how to act around humans right like like he, mm-hmm. he's always covering it up or like being self-effacing about how bad he is at covering covering it up you know mm-hmm. alice is like being very kind and 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 like helpful and reassuring but it is it, it is fully from the remove of like well i'm a vampire and you're not because she's like she's like saying like oh you look like you could use more sleep maybe but it's like you know it's not a re- it's not a relatability thing for alice it's just like oh i know what you need you need sleep you know um she uh has ordered bella f- like room service at like regular intervals at like exact intervals because you know <laughs> humans need to eat you know it's like uh-huh. arriving on the dot in in this chapter it, like she is pro- she's providing and she's being warm like she's being very affectionate with bella but it is a different sort of affection than edward has where she she is not attempting to i don't think she, alice is like attempting to bridge any sort of like supernatural species gap between the two of them mm-hmm. she's just being a nice vampire and, and like not 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 pretend not not getting hung up on pretending that she isn't a vampire i guess right does she seem kind of like i mean i guess she's not above it all because she clearly cares and is like protective but she's sort of um sort of an angelic being a little he- bit Yes, like I, Bella in, in in one of my favorite lines of the chapter, Bella just offhandedly refers to her and Jasper as her babysitters. <laughs> yeah, which I think is a perfect uh, uh, des- like description because like I, I was saying like like it's familial and it's and it's it's affectionate, but it is not like I, I it, you know it is not maternal. It is not I, I would not call her like really sisterly or anything here. It is not a it's not above it all, but it is, it is like someone behaving this way because they have like, like Bella is her ward. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it, it's not, it's not a, a f- it doesn't feel like a family and a family connection of like equals just yet. Right. Does she seem detached or like inhuman? Detached? No. Inhuman? Yes. If that helps. On um, purpose, do you think? 
I, hmm. That's a di- more difficult question. <laughs> um, <laughs> because she is, I, 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 it's, it's hard to judge when it, when, with, with something like this, because I think the way that it comes across is good. And I kind of want to like give it the credit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Same, but at the same time, thinking about it, I'm like, I actually don't know how intentional I can really read this as, because I, I, I wonder, I wonder if the intent is for her to be, to to come across as like sisterly or 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 whatever, however, like a, like a more a warmer, um, more uh, human relationship between the two of them. I, I I think the the thing that is kind of both the dead giveaway of what it was intended to be written as, and also one of my favorite details of how unfamiliar and and alien it ends up feeling is the amount of touch in mm-hmm. this chapter. Uh, Alice is like leading Bella around by her hands and they're like sitting together on the bed. And I think at one point, like Bella is like, like, like sleeping with her head in Alice's lap. And like Alice is like constantly like holding her hands to reassure her and stuff. And I think that that is meant to maybe come across as her being like, um, you know, perfect angel family member. Right. Uh huh how it reads combined with everything else, what we know about Alice as a thousand year old creature, right? <laughs> um, it comes across as angelic biblical, you know what I mean? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like there's a lot of touch, but it's like the sort of touch again, like babysitter is a good description, right? It's like, she's kind of like physically guiding Bella around. Um, uh, and, and like, not really paying attention to like like social boundaries and stuff so it does feel inhuman definitely whether it was intended to be or not i i I guess i couldn't say but i I would probably lean on the fact that lean on the opinion that this is uh eh, probably unintentional right when you describe their kind of touching and um that that sort of behavior it it makes me think of like as if they're being directed to act in a play, like like overacting yes. in a play, grabbing grabbing someone's hand so that the person in the back row can tell that they're mm-hmm. they're like um, like good friends or whatever. Absolutely, yes. There's it. There, it's a lot of that sort of thing. It feels it feels guided. It almost feels like a pantomime of emotions, right? Mm-hmm. Which zooming out i think fits very well for vampires and it's it's this is like me like trying to squeeze every last bit out of like an empty capri sun in the vampire <laughs> depictions right like like oh they're so weird and cold and and, and like un, you know unused to human connection stuff um so maybe maybe it's real maybe it's on purpose so that I, I i couldn't say for sure but 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 i think that 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 absolutely makes sense to me i I think that it feels very much like play acting or the way that you might talk to uh like a like a a a cousin's kid or something (laughs) right at a family reunion or something where it's like where, where it's you know you're not being condescending you're not being mean but you're not talking to them as someone you know like a you know very well right like mm-hmm. you like uh i don't know it's um it's it's it, whether it's intentional or not i think that alice ends up being very well characterized here um 
and I think it's a nicer extension of, um, like, I thought that that line that Jasper said to Bella out of the blue at the end of last chapter, where he was like, you are worth it, you know, like, uh-huh. I um, which it's terrible in context because it, like Jasper is like barely spoken in this book. Right. And it's, mm-hmm. um, but it's still a, like, just, just a, something like an emotional line that hits no matter what. Um, and I think that this is a slightly less clumsy and, and, and better, like, face turn for the mysterious vampire girl here, right? Like, Alice, Alice is, like, really uh, uh, doing a good job of being an interesting character here. It's probably the best way I can describe it, right? Like, um, whether it's intentional or not she kind of at least feels incredibly unique and like defined here in a way that she kind of hasn't really in twilight up until this point uh-huh. jasper less so jasper's not really doing much this chapter um, um I, but Al- i was gonna ask because alice and jasper are like married right yeah yeah so what is their relationship like yeah that <laughs> that might be kind of my biggest ding against this chapter is that Alice is very well utilized here Jasper a little less so I think um you know he <laughs> Jasper is almost like now just like thinking about his role in this book in, in its entirety is he's stood around and like improved the mood with his magic powers in several <laughs> scenes uh-huh. um then he told Bella something absurd in the last chapter right for him to say just you know tell her you're worth it which is like you know a very nice thing to say weird thing from a guy who has not talked to her at all in this book and then has been silent since then i mean he he talks i think there is one one line he gets that is at least given with some interesting character flair where when they've pieced together the mystery of, of of this vision that alice had he like too calmly asks Bella a very loaded question because he doesn't want to freak her out, right? Mm-hmm. But that's really just an extension of Alice's character in this chapter, right? Of like treating Bella as as like something to be someone to be protected and and to sort of like th- th- this is like th- this is a chapter where like they were uh, chaperones on a field trip and the bus broke down and they had to like stay <laughs> at a motel is kind of the vibe that, that Alice has with Bella here, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm your teacher. I'm here to make sure you don't wander off and die. Um, and I'm nice. I'm not like, I don't, I don't like hate you or anything, but like I am, we are not the same. Hmm. That's interesting because I think that they end up sort of su- like supposed to be besties. So we'll, I guess we'll see if that develops at all. Yeah, I could absolutely see them becoming besties after this. But so far, it's very one sided, right? And, and not, not even like one sided in a negative way, but but it is a it is a protector and and ward relationship currently, I think mm-hmm. is the best way to describe it. Um. Jasper is just sort of there. He's like the husband, I guess. <laughs> he's just standing there. He's sitting by the cell phone. He's watching TV, but not really watching it. You know, like the, the, he. But he's not. Um, he's not really involved in Alice and Bella's conversations in this chapter. Because um, you know, Bella asks Alice all about vampire powers, and they have like a very long uh, discussion about all that. And Jasper just like never comments or weighs in on, on any of that stuff he's just there he I, I i guess his job is to like be the 
like be the be, be the heavy if something bad happens, right? I, I guess we'll see, but I always wonder on stuff like that where I'm just like, why write the character into the scene in yeah. the first place? <laughs> I think I think my favorite detail about this uh, <laughs> that that has to be. I, I I don't know. This is like my favorite detail of the like, is it intentional or unintentional the way that this character relationship is being set up? But the fact that Alice got a room separate from Jasper and Alice is really funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that so perfectly encapsulates either like... Yeah, they don't really see her as an equal yet, and they're putting her in the, you know, they're putting her at the kids' table. Um, right, right. Or, or is it just, like, unintentional, and that's just, like, a, a Stephanie Meyer thing of, like, no, it would be inappropriate for, for them all to have a, have the same room. That's right. Which just, like, leads me through, like, more, more questions. Like, what, were, like, Alice and Jasper going to be having crazy vampire sex or something, and they didn't want, you know, to have to, like, shoo... <laughs> Bella out of the room or something like like what was gonna happen like, yeah especially when they're like their goal is to like protect her at any cost putting her in her own room is really funny <laughs> that seems like a huge oversight yeah when facing off against the tracker. If the tracker can just get her room key or, like, jump in through the window, she's toast. They have to, like, come across the hall to, like, defend her in that case. It's very, it's a very weird little detail. Yeah. And I'm very curious about the the reasoning for. Yeah. I mean, it's sure, it, yeah, it does seem like Edward would be pissed off if he heard that Bella was in yeah. her own room. <laughs> What are we even doing here? <laughs> that that actually is like one thing. If you know Edward, Edward, I think has uh, had some misguided thoughts on how to protect Bella and stuff. I think he would be right to flip out about that one. You know. Oh, like, also, the vampires don't need to sleep. Right. Yeah. Like. So they could just like st stand in the room. They could just stand in the room. They could they could just like play solitaire while she sleeps. I don't know. Like put some chessboards on the floor. Oh, they could. Yeah, hotel rooms. You got a lot of space to to spread some chessboards out on like a big bed or whatever. <laughs> pretty good. If you're not sleeping on it, put some chessboards on that motherfucker. That sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like, like a, a great tone, fun characterization that I don't know if it's purposeful or not, but I guess it doesn't really matter in the end. And a little bit of vampire lore, too. Did you get any juicy new lore? Ju literally juicy new lore, in Ooh. fact. Um, because we learn, uh, I guess, I guess we've learned, uh, ab about it through Midnight Sun, um, already. And, and, and like, you know, our, our, like, wiki expeditions and stuff. But I think this is the first time in Twilight that the, 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 the like, venom has been explained fully. Um, yeah. The, the fact that their, their blood is replaced slowly by venom, and it's a very painful process. And Edward didn't want Alice to tell Bella this, just in case, probably, is kind of the, the, the like implication here maybe but alice is like okay well edward's gonna be mad at me but whatever here's here's what happens uh all your blood gets replaced and it hurts real bad and it sucks so <laughs> she has <laughs> I that mean, to i don't know what the to. harm is in that she knows that you can become a vampire 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I guess, I guess if it's like, if, it, if Edward is like, because, because Alice and Edward, have, I guess, in Midnight Sun, at least, have already discussed the possibility that Bella might have to be turned, right? Yes. And I guess maybe the logic here is that Edward doesn't want Bella to know that it, it'd be oofy owie if that, if that, if it comes to that, you know, but I don't know. I feel like at that point, I feel like at that point, you'd be beyond uh, any, like, room to complain about it hurting too bad. Like, oh, I don't want to be a vampire. It'll hurt a little bit. Like, that seems like something that we know that Bella would not really entertain as a thought, really. Right. I feel like this is a very confused point, because the way that Midnight Sun is written, um, Alice not being allowed to tell Bella stuff is written much more as a... It, it feels like the filling of a plot hole, but I'm not sure what the plot hole is. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like, Alice thinks that the easy solution to everything is to just make Bella a vampire. And Alice is pretty convinced that Bella will want to be a vampire and that it is rude of Edward to, like, stand in her way of that. Um, and also Alice knows that the solution to the tracker specifically is for Bella to become a vampire because the tracker will lose interest. Right. And so, so when Edward says, like, don't tell her, my, what I thought that he meant was don't tell her that the solution is for her to become a vampire. But it seems mm. like in Twilight, it's like, don't tell her about the process of becoming a vampire. That's definitely how I read it. Yeah. Let me find let me find the exact line that that, that Alice gives. Uh, uh, Edward doesn't want me to tell you that, she said firmly, but I sense that she didn't agree. That's not fair. I think I have a right to know. I know. I looked at her waiting. She sighed. He'll be extremely angry. It's none of his business. This is between you and me. Alice, as a friend, I'm begging you. Um... And then she goes, uh, I will tell you the mechanics of it, she said finally, but I don't remember it myself and I've never done it or seen it done. So keep in mind that I can only tell you theory. So nothing really about, no, nothing I guess that indicates that it's about hiding the grander plan from her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Really, yeah. I, I, I wish there was a greater reason for Bella not to be given that option or, or, or plan so far, right? Yeah. I feel like Bella has been so blasé about the existence of vampires so far. <laughs> that I'm kind of surprised that she hasn't brought it up. And I think that that might create some more interesting friction, right? If if Bella has been like very adamant about like, this, this is great, turn me into a vampire. I, I think she alludes to that like kind of surreptitiously in one of their conversations when Edward is sleeping over that one time. Mm-hmm. I feel like a good conflict might be her going like, yeah, just turn me into a vampire. What's the problem? And and, and Edward having some hangups about that, right? Maybe some like some self-loathing about being a vampire, not wanting to put that on her. And, like any anything to like make this a conflict between and within the romantic leads, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's like it's there, but it never is becoming uncovered. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um it, it it just makes Edward seem 
This is like maybe the most condescending Edward has seemed, I guess, just by the way it's written. It's like, oh, Edward will be mad if I tell you how this this like mechanic works. It's like, why does he think I'm stupid? Like, that's like the only reasonable read on it here, Um, (laughs) uh, which is which is odd. Um, There there is a very funny part of uh, of the. the 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 explanation of the venom thing that I, I I've praised the writing of the of the setting and, and stuff in this chapter but I but I do have to point out something kind of silly here. Um, Alice describes uh, 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 the vampires as a carnivorous flower at the beginning. She's like, as predators, we have a glut of weapons in our arsenal, much much more than really necessary. The strength, the speed, the acute senses, not to mention those of us like Edward Jasper and I who have extra powers as well. And then, like a carnivorous flower, we are physically attractive to our prey. So what? she describes them as a carnivorous flower. And then Bella's, you know, Bella basically just says, "Oh, that's weird." Um, and then. <laughs> Alice continues, we're also like sharks in a way. <laughs> Once we taste the blood or even smell it for that matter, it becomes very hard to keep repeating. <laughs> just, Alice I'm like just a like, shark and a carnivorous flower. Alice just like reaching for different nature documentary metaphors. Like <laughs> Oh, we're like a we're like a carnivorous flower. We're we're attractive but deadly. Uh, we're also like sharks. Uh, we smell blood and we'll we'll chase it. We'll chase it until we catch our prey. Um, we're kind of like lemurs. We can jump from tree to tree with ease. Uh. They can, yeah. <laughs> Just a really like you got to pick one, you know. Like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not quite as uh, big of a sin as the. Um, Edward saying the metaphor out loud, but it's mm. close. <laughs> the addiction metaphor, like nested yeah. doll stuff, yes. is so bad. Yeah, it's not quite that level, but it is. It is still just a, like okay, okay. You gotta pick one symbol for the for the chapter. I think at least. <laughs> but yeah, the mechanics of it. I get you know, it's 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 venom. Uh, it, it makes your blood run cold. It replaces your blood. It's very painful. Oof, owie. Sort of some very, I guess, uh, uh, perfunctory setup for what's coming, you know? Um, but, you know, like, she she invented a weird new way for vampires to work, and by God, she's going to explain it to us. And uh, that's kind of the bulk of the middle of this chapter. Um, but the third, I guess, like section of this chapter i think is really interesting and it's this little vision she has once edward has called and said like oops we oops we lost him Mm -hmm. which is uh uh, i want to read her vision and i'm curious if you remember this detail or Mm -hmm. whether it came up in your chapter because this is this is a moment that i think is very cool and kind of clever and I've never this is like one thing that I just went completely unspoiled on in 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 Twilight. Uh-huh. Uh I see a room, it's long, and then there are mirrors everywhere. The floor is wooden. He's in the room and he's waiting. There's a gold a gold stripe around the mirrors. Where is the room? I don't know. Something is missing. Another decision hasn't been made yet. How much time? It's soon. He'll be in the mirror room today or maybe tomorrow. It all depends. He's waiting for something and he's in the dark now. 
and she continues she she kind of like describes another like mysterious dark room uh uh the mirrors and the gold it's a band running around the room and there's a black table with a big stereo and a tv and he's touching the vcr and he doesn't know he doesn't watch the way he does in the dark room this is the room where he waits and i was like ooh, that's a very evocative weird <laughs> weird like description of a place mm-hmm. um it's 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 covered in mirrors and there's a gold stripe running around the room that's odd and like my first thought was um the the bad guy's cool bedroom in Blade. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I was like, whoa, this sounds trippy as fuck. And then Alice draws this this place to like kind of describe it better to Bella. And Bella realizes like, oh, it's a ballet studio. It's a bar. It's not mm-hmm. a stripe. It's a bar running around the room. And the mirrors are because it's a dance studio. And like it's 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 not like a mystery that's drawn out. This is like it's one page of the mysterious description and then one page of like, oh, it's a bar. Uh not a stripe. But I was like, that's cute. I like that. Like like Alice seeing this vision and not knowing what the fuck a ballet studio is and having to describe that and Bella having to put that together. Like, like that was a fun a fun interaction between a vampire character and a human character. Yeah. And like, yeah. Uh creating a mystery where there really isn't one for any human character or where there wouldn't be one for a human character. Um also just, kinda I, spooky. It's yeah, it it I love I am a sucker for um anything that like describes a Anything that like forces you to like look at a very mundane place in like a a, a different per- like from a different outsider perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might have even brought this up on the show before, but did in in middle school did you ever have to do the um the the NASA Rama worksheet? I don't think so. You ever you ever heard of this? No. Um, it was a uh, you would get this worksheet. And uh, it would say this is part of like a social studies class. Um, And uh, when I was in middle school and it was like, uh, uh, you know, uh, explorers have discovered, uh, you know, a a, a previously undiscovered country. Um, The people there behave very strangely. Uh, They, you know, they, 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 they have like, uh, vicious creatures living in their in their in their uh, palaces, and they every night they like perform this ritual where they uh, uh, stick a a, a brist like a a, a bristled uh, implement into their mouths and uh, and <laughs> and clean and, and and like you know just goes through all this like like silly descriptions of stuff, and then it's like oh by the way uh, uh, Nasarima backwards is American, and it's just like just, you know it's. <laughs> It's just like described like a you know just like a suburban house or whatever right and it's just right. like a, it's just like a little object lesson for kids about like like perspective in 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 uh uh like anthropology like reporting stuff basically right yeah um, we had a way dumber version of that which is like oh. we had to write a description of our bedroom to to describe it to an alien (laughs) except except it was all i remember coming out of it with was like the teacher being like but how does the alien know what a bed is (laughs) (laughs) i i have never want you know i i I would never want to be a teacher unless i got to teach that class and just be (laughs) ask increasingly annoying questions to all the students like (laughs) yeah 
How, how does it how does it how does it know english Ooh. <laughs> how is it reading this <laughs> if it doesn't have eyes you both of you to assume that this alien can read <laughs> perhaps it communicates purely through mind beams <laughs> <laughs> but it was it's a in twilight this is a very key because I, I i legitimately had a moment of just like whoa I don't remember Twilight having like a fucking like raid boss room in it, right? Like there's yeah. a there's a mirror room with gold all the, all around it. That sounds crazy. Is this like an evil vampire's palace? And then I you know, I felt very silly when when Bella's like, "Oh, it's a dance studio." But it was it's a really fun it was a really fun little moment. Um I don't know if that mystery would have like survived the entire book, but I would I feel like I think part of me going like, oh, I wish this chapter was the beginning of the book maybe mm-hmm. hinges on like, I, w- I love having that kind of payoff in a story, right? Or something completely minuscule at the beginning ends up being a very simple and defective payoff way at the end, right? Um, I, 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 I would have liked to have seen this like little, little visual mystery maybe stretched out. As far as it, I, I'm curious, how far they could have stretched it, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think that there's so many good ideas in Twilight that it it feels like such a first draft mm-hmm. that just with a little bit more consideration about even just some of the elements here, it, it could be super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, like the the the. the... <laughs> The structure of this chapter, one, one chapter being good even couldn't, like, fix the structural issues with Twilight, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's almost, like, silly to even, even speculate about that kind of thing on my part. But, um, for, for as wobbly as, as that stuff still is in this chapter, um, just because of everything that's come before, I think that the, the tone of this and the the atmosphere created by this chapter is so good that I'm like willing to forgive basically all the other problems. And I, but it also makes me wish that, um, the whole thing had maybe been more cohesive and built around this kind of mood constantly. Because I, you know, there's a lot of vampire stuff in this chapter. The the the, the coldness and and like uh detachment that like the hotel is described with here and phoenix is described with here mm-hmm. is like 500 times better than the hilarious descriptions of the cullen mansion which are just yeah. silly right yeah. and and it's so funny because it's not any different really it's just like this is just a straight upgrade better job of of describing a place and and the mood of that place and in the Cullen Mansion, I have no idea what the fuck I'm supposed to feel. In this hotel chapter, I am basically, like, on board with it. Yes, I know exactly the feeling this is going for. That that just, like, that malaise waiting for news that you don't, don't want, but you know you're going to hear. Like, it's just, it, 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 this chapter is, like, suffocating uh, in, in, in a way. Mm-hmm. And like the setting really ties into that, and it's it's just so much better at do- doing basically the exact same thing that the the Cullen Mansion uh, chapter was doing. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 I I I think first draft vibes is is a really good way to put it. Um, 
great ideas here, I think. That just sometimes an idea is so good it doesn't matter how it's presented. Right. Um individually, and I think that's kind of what this chapter is. It's just like a real this is just this is one solid gold idea, uh, this chapter. Yeah. I would I would have loved to see the ballet studio earlier. Part of me wishes the book started in Phoenix somehow. Because I love a back to the beginnings mm, uh, mm-hmm. kind of uh feeling at the end of like a thriller, which this isn't 90% of the time. This is not a thriller. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I would have loved to see the ballet studio had a reason to be in Phoenix to start. Um, and, yeah. And being back. It, it feels like a coming back to Phoenix chapter. Yeah. But we haven't been there. Yeah. I think the closest we get in the first chapter is, isn't she like, doesn't she like reminisce a little bit about her conversation with her mom driving to the airport? But it's like not... It's not enough to give you that foundation for that yeah. sort of like homecoming feeling, right? Like, yeah, and I guess we also get her description of Phoenix, which was yeah. quite good to Edward. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, but just like not not enough to make you feel like, oh, we're back. You know what I mean? But it's it's back, but it feels different. Um, uh, you know, you you know, elemental feeling in like storytelling, right? Uh-huh. Um, but uh, and like like this still manages to tap into that because of that. But it just like with a little more, there's so much you could just massage out of Twilight to make it like genuinely a really good thriller. I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Um. There's some other stuff in this chapter uh, that's really interesting, but I think it's worth saving for the boyfriend points discussion. Maybe. Great. Um. And I think now might be a good place to swap over to what's going on in Midnight Sun. Wonderful. It is time for my Midnight Sun Summary. Hell my yeah. My Midnight Sunnery. <laughs> midnight Sunnery. Summary. Let's go. So I read chapter 24. It's called Ambush. Um, this is fundamentally a chapter-long action sequence. Um, All right. So, so <laughs> I'll go through it kind of... Um, action beat by action beat here. Mm -hmm. Um, Edward, Emmett, and Carlisle have successfully lured the tracker into chasing them. Um, They are in the Jeep going top speed, uh, and the tracker is chasing them on foot, and they're leading him uh, northeast. Um, He does... uh, he being Edward manages to take some time out of his uh, frantic driving to dictate some texts to Carlisle to send to Alice Mm. to remind Alice that Bella needs food and water and sleep. Um, The entire time during this like car foot chase, the tracker is remaining at the edge of Edward's mind reading power. So he's only getting like little snippets that are mostly like him observing the Jeep's trajectory. Um, Edward knows that they have to go away from water because if the tracker can escape from them, it'll be in the water um, because they don't need to breathe underwater. So he'll just swim away. Um, Edward, um, is about to spring spring the trap. And so before he does, he um, has Carlisle uh, check in with Alice, asking if um, the tracker is going to lose interest um, before they get to their destination, which is Banff National Park, uh, which I believe is near Calgary. Um, the trap is sprung. Edward and gang jump out of the moving Jeep and run top speed at the tracker. Um, and the tracker is like, oh, it was a trap. And he runs away. Um, this is 
what follows is just an extended action sequence where he's the tracker is leading them west, presumably toward the Pacific Ocean to make his escape. They run for literal hours together um, overnight. We end this chapter as like the sun is rising the next day. Um, their chase kind of includes like the tracker getting into a lake at one point to try to escape and Edward has to call Alice while they're running to check in so that Alice can read the future and tell them who is going to pick up their trail so that they can try to gain on this guy. Um, but Edward is slowly coming to the realization that the tracker is just toying with them the entire time. Um, this is about the part where they've been chasing him all night and he has led them closer to um, Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, once the sun is rising, they while top speed running, call Esme for a chat about what Victoria is doing in Forks. Um, Finally, the tracker leads them to like a small town. Edward, Carlisle, and Emmett sort of speculate that he must need a snack or something. Uh, but he ends up leading them toward a small shed. Um, and oh no, he wasn't looking for a snack. He uh, has brought them to an airstrip and he is flying away in a little plane. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh-oh, they can't follow him in a plane. Um, this is when they call Alice and it's the bad news um, conversation that uh that we already talked about from twilight um edward uh hears about alice's vision the the mysterious room the dark room the mirrors covering the walls etc um edward calls bella and they chat um i'm not sure if this is in twilight or if my chapter got ahead of yours um edward does end up running back to forks um and checks on on the girls, Esme and Rosalie, who are watching Charlie. Charlie, he also checks in on Charlie, who is like sitting sadly in front of a TV that isn't turned on. Um, this is when Alice calls. Um, so I guess we are kind of in the same timeline. Alice calls. The tracker is on his way to Phoenix. He's going to take go take Renee hostage. Uh, and that's the end of my chapter. Mm, so you did get a little ahead, I think, of okay, mine. Okay, okay. Um, because I think I think we are, I, I, I like, like I'm told that, um, uh, 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 Esme is like keeping watch over Charlie, and that everything's fine, and there hasn't been any 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 news on that front. But I don't know if I ever get the context that Edward like went there to check that himself. You know, um, yeah. Uh, I don't like, know if it comes up, because like, I don't know if Edward ever communicated that to Alice. Okay, okay. Or no, Bell. I, don't I think it just might have been a pit stop that he made. No, I th I think um I think mostly Edward um uh uh just like reassures Bella and is like, don't worry, we're still looking for him. Um we don't know why he got in a plane, which is the main thing I wanna ask about here. Yeah. <laughs> because okay. In my book, they they talk about like, oh, he got he he got on a plane. You know, how why did he get on that plane? And I was my burning question for you ever since I read my chapter and heard what yours was like. Mm -hmm. I was like, did they like have a, like a cool like chase through an airport? <laughs> and did he manage to buy a ticket and get on a plane and like go somewhere? Like, how does that work? But nope. learning that he flew the plane himself. 
He's flying a little plane all by himself. He's it's just so yep. good. I don't know if the implication is that he found a plane to steal or if this is like a plane that he has hidden <laughs> My designated near... vampire plane? <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is so cool. I, I'd never thought about the water thing. And about how, like, that is basically, like, the one boundary for vampires. Although, like, I guess I just assumed that if they have super speed and and strength and stuff, they probably have super swimming, you know? Yeah, they do. Um, and so I didn't, why why is it that him reaching the, like, reaching the water would be the end of the chase? Is it just that they're not willing to chase him across the water, or is he better at swimming or something? I I think, it doesn't say it explicitly, but I think what the implication is, is that, well, I guess... I assumed that it was a smell thing. Right. But I guess they're never saying, like, oh, I smell him going that way. Yeah. That makes sense for the the lake. That's kind of what I assumed when you say that, that he, like, dips into a lake, right? To, like, try and get rid of his scent. Mm-hmm. But if, if as long as Edward is still within, like, thought radar range of him, that shouldn't matter should it well but he's keeping out of thought radar range oh he's completely out i thought he okay he, he, so he's he, he, it's, it's like as edward catches up with him he'll get like a little snippet of like mm. they're going east or whatever it is but he's okay. like staying outside of their range and at the point where edward realizes that he's just toying with them they're like 600 miles apart okay okay so it's not okay so so it's a uh, it's like a <laughs> This is the funniest chase sequence ever devised. They're miles and miles and miles apart, and the only reason they know that either of them are within range of each other is because they, like, trip a mental radar that one of them has. Well, and at some point it's also that they can see, because don't forget they have, like, eagle eye vision. Oh, right. And they could just see him that far away? Or like, yeah, I don't know if it's the 600 miles. It's a little fuzzy. It's it's not very um, literally described, but yeah, it is yeah. just like at some points they're so far away, but it's like I can still see him because of my super vampire powers. So that also might be part of the water thing is that you can't see as far in the water. Right. Okay. Because I was like, if they can both, like, like he doesn't seem like he has, like, better swimming than them, right? Like, surely he, surely Edward would also swim after him if he could see him getting in the ocean. But I guess, I guess if he's that far apart and he's getting in the ocean, that makes a little bit more sense. Um, but, like, not that much more sense, really, because it's not like they're confined, like, it's not like they're on a freeway, you know? Like, they're not on the interstate and they know, like, okay, he's 600 miles ahead of us, but he's, like, on the interstate, right? Like, there's only one place he could be. It's like... You're running through, like, underbrush and stuff. He could be fucking anywhere. <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of <laughs> sort of the problem here is that it seems to say that the water is where they'll lose him, but it doesn't doesn't say why that would be explicitly. The mm-hmm. one thing that it keeps kind of referring back to is that if he goes in the water, he could come up anywhere. Like, it says that in both 
like places where it comes up once at the lake and then also when Edward is like we're leading him away from the Pacific Ocean the tracker might take one look at the five of these Edward is thinking about bringing in other vampires to help but they were too close to the water. The tracker might take one look at five of them and break for the ocean. All he'd need to do was to disappear To disappear was submerge. It was impossible to track someone underwater, and he oh. could come out anywhere, five miles down the beach or in Japan. We would never be able to follow. <laughs> five miles seems like it would be really slow for a vampire. Like... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if if the options are five miles or Japan, I would err on probably Japan in that case. Like, that seems more reasonable if he's moving that fast. Yeah. I am so interested in this plane thing because it feels like a retcon from my book. Oh, does yours sound more like he like got on a commercial plane? I Let me read you what mine says, and I, I want to know your judgment on this. Sure. I just saw him. She described again the vision she'd seen. Whatever made him get on that plane, it was leading him to those rooms. And then, later on, Where are you? We're outside of Vancouver. Bella, I'm sorry. We lost him. He seems suspicious of us. He's careful to stay just far enough away that I can't hear exactly what he's thinking. But he's gone now. It looks like he got on a plane. Yeah, do you get on a plane if you're driving the plane? <laughs> that, <laughs> that like, <laughs> you, get, you got in the car to drive the car. <laughs> yeah, if uh, yeah, I to me getting on a plane describes like boarding it commercially. I guess I'm not getting on the plane if I'm driving, if I'm flying it. You know, like that. Can I read the dramatic reveal here? It's kind of please, long, but please, I, please. Just, I could not, I could not believe it. Um, we followed his trail to a large rough shed in the middle of an open field, thick and thorny brambles that were still winter bare. The wide doors to the shed were propped open. The inside of the shed was mostly empty, just stacks of mechanical and automotive clutter lining the walls. The scent led into the shed and was more set into the ground here, as if he'd lingered for a moment. I could think of nothing... I could only think of one reason, and I searched for the scent of blood. Nothing. All I could smell was exhaust. Gasoline. I felt sick as I realized what I hadn't seen at first. With a low oath, I darted out of the shed and vaulted over the tall brambles. Emmett and Carlyle followed back on high alert after the stupefying hours of failure. And there, on the other side, was a long line of flattened dirt rolled as smooth as possible, <laughs> about 200 feet wide, stretching at least a mile to the west. It was a private airstrip. I cursed again. I'd been too focused on the water escape. There was an air escape, too. The plane would be <sighs> tiny and slow, not much faster no than a car. <laughs> no more than 140 miles an hour, if it was in good condition. The slipshod little hangar made me think it probably wasn't. He'd have to stop for gas frequently if he intended to go far, but he could go in any direction at all, and we had no way to follow. Ah. Uh. Okay, Edward, my man. <laughs> Edward has been alive for a hundred years and didn't recognize a hanger when he saw it? <laughs> just, a, just a weird... What is this weird what shed? Is, what is this weird huge shed? It's like weirdly wide enough for like a plane's wingspan to get in and out of, huh? Odd. And this strip of dirt made as flat as possible? Did, 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 he, did I hear that right? Did he describe it, it as the... the 
But he didn't notice that the dirt strip was 200 feet wide. What is this long line of flattened dirt rolled as smooth as possible about 200 feet wide, stretching Two- at least a mile to the west? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> what the fuck, Edward? What? Okay. This is like, we're in crazy town. This is like a reverse retcon. Like, <laughs> like the, the in 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 a normal situation, there'd be like the bad first movie that like ha- implies that the guy got in an airstrip in a hangar that Edward didn't notice, and then the retcon would be, no, that was a trick. He got on a commercial flight. That's way less stupid. But it's the other way around. <laughs> it's way more convoluted in the retcon. Yeah. This is, this is nuts. Edward just didn't, not, Ed, it's Edward Carlyle and Emmett, right? Yeah. Not, not a one of them recognized a, a runway or a hangar. It must it have been, too- it must have been behind those brambles. These are, the, these are the <laughs> dumbest motherfuckers on earth. <laughs> 200 also a 200 foot wide private airstrip like that's i'm 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 looking this up because like the way they're describing this like little plane it's like a cessna or something it's like a student plane right like it's a like a one-seater because you know you can't go very far and it's not very fast i'm looking this up how wide is a commercial runway Okay, a commercial runway. Uh uh like like one at like an international airport yeah. is is uh the, hold on. This <laughs> It's more 200 feet wide, stretching at least a mile to the west. <laughs> Dimension I need I okay, so declared distances. Runway dimensions vary from a small as 26 feet wide to 800 feet long, which is how I would imagine a uh, smaller... So, okay, a smaller general aviation r- runway dimension is 26 feet wide, 800 feet long, yep, more or less. that's what I'm seeing. International airports... <laughs> uh... <laughs> 262 feet wide... <laughs> this whoever owns this is like probably able to land a commercial jet on the fucking <laughs> dirt road. <laughs> What's this shed? Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess Edward has a talent for understatement. I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who did who did the tracker kill in this shed next to this dirt path? <laughs> This the way this scene is set up to me reminds me of it's like the bit of the James Bond chase where they like get off the road and like James you know James Bond disappears into a building and like the music stops and you're like oh no he he lost the bad guy and then like the doors like burst open and the plane flies out and like <laughs> starts again <laughs> Edward just got his ass handed to him by James. <laughs> Completely, completely destroyed, wrecked. Like, 
James could have painted like the like a tunnel on the on the side of a wall and ha- got Edward to run into it at this point. Like like fully just had him dead to rights here. Incredible. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I can't believe this. Why retcon it and make it this much more crazy? I- There's just <laughs> Did she get, like, caught up in logistics of, like, how would he have, like, gotten a plane ticket without them catching up or, like, something weird like that and decided this was... That was my question, yeah. Well, (laughs) question answered. Yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, because, like, my, my, the, the question I was dying to ask you in your chapter was, like, how did he get a plane ticket? Um... So I guess, like, maybe her instincts were right there, but, like, I think I buy, oh, he ran too far ahead and was able to get to the airport and buy a ticket. That's a little, you know, that's funny, but it's, like, nowhere near as involved as, like, oh, he <laughs> he found some guy's private commercial runway and flew a plane on it. Yeah. Sure. Okay, thank you, Stephanie Meyer. Incredible. <laughs> I want to know how fast the Twilight Vampires can run. Yeah. How fast they... can Twilight Vampires run? Because I'm just like, if the plane can only go... Oh, well, I don't even want to look more into this because it's just the Google answer, which is just 100 miles per hour. Oh. Except it also says an excess of 100 miles per hour. I'm pretty sure they can run faster than that, can't they? Edward, like, Edward, like, does, like, blink teleport stuff, it feels like, sometimes. Like, he he can go fucking fast. I mean, 100 miles an hour is pretty fucking fast, but, like, I I don't know. How fast does a Jeep go? Here's what I don't understand. Why, if they only... Why not turn the Jeep around? And just go back? Because they jump out of the Jeep, right? Mm -hmm. And they run backwards. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, Right, yeah, the... the (laughs) But I guess the top speed of a Jeep Wrangler is about 100 miles per hour, which is also how fast a vampire runs. I think this is like a great example of how if you think of like the old Superman cartoons, right? Like the forties ones, Superman is always like, you know, kind of getting knocked around a bit by the, the, the bad guys or whatever. And, Mm -hmm. and like, you know, taking punches and and giving punches back. And it's like, none of this should phase him, but it always does because otherwise it's not very exciting. Right. If he's not, you know, reacting to stuff. Yeah. And this is kind of similar, but it's like the boundaries of the chase need to be set, even if they don't actually fully utilize what is written to be their powers. If they can run at 100 miles an hour constantly, that probably makes more sense than driving the Jeep. But you're not writing a textbook about fig vampires, you're writing a chase sequence. Right. So, like, you can you can do something that isn't really logical with the amount of powers you've given them as long as it like makes some sort of like geographical sense which this just super does not i have no idea 
how long they spent on the road, why getting off the road is a big deal, why getting in a plane is better than running, why swimming is better. Like, like there's just no <laughs> sense of, like, what – like, there's no cause and effect here, you know? I mean, this is a solid – everyone is running 100 miles per hour chase sequence – that is nonstop and also takes place over the course of what I think is two days. Wow. Which is yeah. bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. It's remember my, my silly hang up about super speed being yep. like not a fun power mm -hmm. on its own. I think this is exhibit a to me. I don't care about how fast they're going. Really. I want to see like the bad guy just in front of them, knocking a fruit cart over and Edward, like slipping on an orange and then having to like jump up, up the building or something. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, the way this is written, this is, this is like a comedy proving your point. <laughs> the, the, these scenes of them, running 100 miles per hour and then talking on the phone yes! like in a normal voice is is comedy the imagery here sounds hilarious like yeah making phone calls shooting text messages in the back of a car going 100 miles an hour like there's a bunch of stuff here not not noticing a fucking giant runway like <laughs> That's like a naked gun bit. That's like, oh, like how did how did the how did the suspect escape? And then the guy goes like, "Chief, you're gonna want to see this." And like the camera just zooms out a little bit to show the giant runway they're standing <laughs> on. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's a fucking police squad bit. Like, I don't, I don't. There's no weight to any of this. At the very least, it's uh, it's it's really fun hearing about something um, away from Bella world with Edward, right? Like, what what are what are Edward's thoughts like in an action sequence? What's what's he thinking? What's going through his head? Well, he <laughs> not much. I would say this is like a pretty insubstantial scene mm. in that it is very much focused on the moment to moment and like the unfortunately the logistics of those things and mm -hmm. and and the this kind of front half of this is him describing the the moment to moment but then also uh phoning a friend to talk to alice and also text alice who is texting him who is going to pick up the trail, <laughs> right? So it's like yeah. ex all extremely literal. And then it kind of changes during the second half because Edward realizes that not only is the like tracker toying with them, but they were never in a million years going to catch him in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so he's like upset about that and is like, oh, no, we never were going to catch him, and I have to try to be cool to Bella in our <laughs> phone call um, to not show how, like, anxious and upset that I am. Which yeah. makes me think that he was not written as anxious and upset in original Twilight, and so he has to have that conscious thought of, like, okay, let's be cool so that he can then have the cool conversation. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into it a little more in, in Boyfriend Points, but, like, the, the scene that Edward does get in Twilight, um, he, he's kind of he's turned his swag back on a little bit. Nice. Um, which is very funny to think about uh, him doing that when he is also not telling Belle that he didn't recognize a runway or a hangar. 
you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <He's> like, yeah. <laughs> that would be a little embarrassing. Um, but, but he covers it up pretty well um in 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 twilight yeah remarkable that he is able able to do that (laughs) i didn't want to tell her how he'd toyed with us it would make her nervous that he'd gotten the upper hand so easily it made me nervous so then he's just cool cool as a cucumber that's very funny Doesn't want to make her nervous. I would not, in a million years of guests, that's how things went in in your half of this week's reading. That is really, really, really funny. It is. I I loved this chapter. I think I laughed the entire time. It's nuts. It just sounds like... Like, like Twilight, we've kind of established, often feels like a first draft... Mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that. Like she, she took like seven years off of writing that book because it leaked, you know, and then came yeah. back to it. And then there was that inter- like the interview I'm always going back to with Midnight Sun is thinking about the quote where she was asked like, "Oh, what you know, what 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 made you think this was the time to release this book?" And her just saying like, "Well, I finished it," <laughs> you know, like- yeah. Yeah. There's a real sense of like just wanting to be done with it in Midnight Sun and just writing a chase sequence where there's no real geography established and then Edward and then it they, retconning it, I think. I think it's fair to call it a retcon. Just like he got on a plane in my book, right? Like like having it be like oh they found a secret runway in the middle of the woods that could like hold a like (laughs) private jet if it really needed to i like that in the conversation he says it looks like he got in a plane like it sounds a little ambiguous like they think maybe he got on a plane yeah yeah mine he definitely did (laughs) he definitely did and like like flew over them going yeehaw basically it sounds like (laughs) i don't know what to even what to even say it's 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 remarkable how surprising midnight sun manages to be still i guess like right right full full surprises up until the very end here um was not expecting edward to uh have to figure out like okay alice not knowing what a ballet studio is and bella having to figure it out that makes sense that works edward forgetting what a runway looks like (laughs) (laughs) is maybe maybe taking that bit a, a tad too far, I think. I mean, like, if you see an abstraction of a ballet studio or, like, a brief glimpse of one in the dark, you might not know what it is immediately. If you are out in the sun next to an airstrip, you know what that is. Yeah, like, I I can believe that in a hundred years or whatever, Alice has never taken, like, stepped foot in a ballet studio you know, like mm-hmm. I never have. Um, I've only seen them in like TV shows, right? Like, like I, 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 I didn't take dance classes. I've never known anyone who, t- who took dance classes, right? I can't believe that Edward has been around for a hundred years, like in and like pretending to be a human in society and has not seen a runway. You know, like that's uh, that feels a lot more unavoidable. 
I mean, the other thing about the ballet studio is it does come across as a sort of abstraction because she it's not that she's never seen a a bar before, like a Mm -hmm. physical object, but she thinks it's like a strip of something on the wall. Yeah. Which is just like it must be like impressionistic in her mind and her Mm -hmm. vision. Right. That's different than standing next to something (laughs) in physical space. Standing in, standing next to something in physical space that is a mile long and 200 feet wide. <laughs> <laughs> What's the shed? What's this weirdly wide shed? <laughs> God. Is there anything any anything else in this chapter that stands out? It's so good. I want to squeeze every last drop out of this this action sequence here. Uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot to say about the action that that I haven't already said just because mm-hmm. it is so it's a chase scene. Yeah. Right? How yeah. how much you can you really say about a chase sure. scene um yeah. other than the imagery being hilarious and um I think the phones thing is very funny while they're um, while they're going. I will say that um, probably the most like I've ever connected with Charlie in Midnight Sun is in this scene. It is a very sad image of him because Edward goes goes by the house and and he like is like something's wrong and it's Charlie and he's like in his usual spot or whatever, except he's just sitting in front of a TV that's off. And that made me so sad. Oh, poor Charlie. Mm-hmm. I so love interesting Charlie. to put something in there about Charlie in Midnight Sun that isn't in Twilight. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I the only detail I get about Charlie in mine is 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 Alice assuring Bella that don't worry, he's he is safe. Uh, Renee, Renee is 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 on the case, or uh, uh, Esme is on the case. I get right. those mixed up because uh, the main Twilight spoiler I know is Renesme. Renesme, yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, what would happen? Do you think if they like dropped a cell phone while they were running? Like, if you're running at a hundred miles an hour and you drop your cell phone, you're fucked. Like, Ob- obliterated. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a bad idea. Um, okay. Well, in that case, should we take some time to tally up Edward's boyfriend points now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, I I, I, I kind of held off of talking about this part of Twilight because I think that it, I thought that it would maybe wrap up nicely in the boyfriend points section. Um, the, so, as you mentioned in your chapter, uh, Edward does finally... I uh, get to speak to Bella on the phone, mm-hmm. and I gotta say, um, he he kind of he kind of like turns the charm on finally after several chapters of having no swag. Yeah. Um, however, this is going to be a difficult boyfriend points calculation, I think, because I was ready to give him a big chunk here, but hearing <laughs> about him fucking around on the runway and <laughs> with a cell phone and the lake. Uh, we're, we, this might be more difficult than I expected. Um. I forgot to mention that Carlisle has a, has like a Ziploc bag for his cell phone for when he goes underwater. (laughs) No way. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Like people do at the pool. Yes. Yes. It, it, 
I could see exactly how it happened where Stephanie Meyer realized that she had to account for the cell phone. Did she, oh, wait, when, when did this book come out again? 2020, right? Or 2021? Yeah, something like that. Okay, I swear to God this is where she got the idea. Because I have been re-watching this show, and this episode would have come out in like 2016, 2017, I think. Better Call Saul has an episode where he sits in the pool with a shitty silver cell phone, like the like a like a two thousand cell phone <laughs> in a pool with Ziploc bag around it. Wow, I, I'm convi- there is no way that anyone can convince me that, that that is not what she saw and was like, oh, that's a good answer for that plot hole, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, you got three vampires that have to dive into a glacial lake and they've got a cell phone oh, and a Ziploc bag. Ziploc bag. Sure, makes sense. <laughs> um. Okay, so let me let me describe Edward's phone call to you, and I guess I guess what we should do is kind of weigh whether his like whether whether his game outweighs his actions in the in in this in this chase. Sure. Um, uh let's see uh he says sorry i'm just trying to find the best place to start here uh and you're sure charlie's safe so this is bella asking asking edward yes esme won't let him out of her sight and will be there soon if the tracker gets anywhere near forks we'll have him i miss you i whispered I know, Bella. Believe me, I know. It's like you've taken half of myself away with you. Come and get it, then, I challenged. Soon, soon as I possibly can. I will make you safe first. His voice was hard. Also, I highlighted this because this is such a great, like, language evolves moment here. (laughs) Of, like... His voice was hard. I, I like. I know you would typically describe that. Use that to describe like you know someone being firm, someone being being a uh, uh, very very uh, stern and firm. Yes. But to me, it just sounds like oh damn, Edward's going hard as fuck. His voice is hard <laughs> as hell. Feel free to screenshot. Um, <sighs> I love you. I reminded him. Could you believe that? Despite everything I've put you through, I love you too. Yes, I can actually. I'll come for you soon. I'll be waiting. Kind of a swaggy exchange there. It is pretty swaggy. I think Bella's pretty swaggy in that exchange. <laughs> Actually, that's true. Bella Bella saying come and get it then is fucking kind of awesome. Like, <laughs> Yeah, like I can't hold it against Edward. I think that he is swaggy, but like she wins the swaggiest line award. Yeah, yeah. Come and get it then is a really good retort. And I, I also, I love that that is... They're big, like, she's been waiting three days in this hotel to have this conversation, right? Mm-hmm. And a per- perfect relationship description moment here. I love that when they finally have this this conversation, they're doing their, like, shitty little sarcastic jokes back to each other. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's cute. It's, it's really cute. Him, him saying, you know, despite everything I've put you through, can you believe, do you, do you believe that I love you? <laughs> you know, like... So yeah. some good some good little jokes here. I love them when they when they're in this mode, you know. Um, yeah, and he gets to do the like Han Solo thing, you know. Yeah. But it's like I miss you. It's like I know I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this stuff was hitting on all cylinders for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, 
Okay, yeah, big chunk of boyfriend points coming his way here. He finally did it. He finally did the cool romantic lead thing here. Right. However. What you didn't know is that he was running 100 miles per hour and talking on the phone. I didn't know that. I also didn't know that another likely possibility here is that he was standing on a dirt runway that he hadn't noticed. (laughs) Um... Are there any other moments before before we decide uh, 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 that particular divide? Is there anything else in 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 your chapter? Does he have any stray good thoughts or bad thoughts? Uh, anything there that like uh, needs to be added to the stack here? I mean, should we give him points for like going on a murder mission for his girlfriend? That's pretty fucking cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. fails it like utterly. <laughs> but the thought counts, you know. <laughs> Yeah, we. Can, I think we should maybe give him some just some general points for that, right? Like, right. Uh, like a plus twenty five went on murder mission in the first place, you know? Y- yeah. You know, it's like when you're playing a game and you like y- you get like a good score multiplier for playing on the hardest difficulty, even if you fail the mission, you know, like you you know you did play it on hard, so right. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Plus twenty five uh, did go on revenge mission. <laughs> Okay, uh, so I guess now we've got to decide <laughs> the main thing here. I was like, I was ready to give him like fifty or maybe even a hundred for this like cool, cool guy declaration of love here, right? Like uh-huh. ultimate, ultimate swaggy guy move here. But knowing knowing the context provided by midnight sun has really kind of made me a little less confident about this uh what yeah. are what are what are what are your thoughts what do you what do you think about this i think well i'm trying to determine cuz he has several phone calls or like texting with alice and stuff where he's running but but you're right i do believe that during this phone call conversation he's standing on the runway <laughs> um <laughs> So that's not a notice, good look. But he didn't notice. <laughs> like I, I guess, I guess. Uh, let, let me think of it this way. Do you get any indication, like, if if we could see if 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 the, if there was a Twilight film, um, uh, that incorporated Midnight Sun stuff into it, you know, mm-hmm. and and. They had a, a scene cutting back and forth between their de- different locations in this moment. Uh-huh. Um, would Emmett be looking at Edward with, like, a come on man look on his face if he heard how cool Edward was being while they're standing on this runway? That's kind of like how I'm, because that's the only way I can picture it, is Edward being, like, super cool and, and smooth on the phone, and, like, Carlisle and Emmett are there just like, yeah, we, <laughs> we're on a runway that we didn't notice, <laughs> you know? Oh, like, definitely, definitely. The fact that he's having to make this call in front of other people, I guess, you know, and, like, it's just, it just, like, really changes the context for me, if if they've, like, just failed the mission, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I it's unfortunate. Because um, the way he makes it sound on the phone is like that it was close at any point. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was like, yeah, I, I went, you know, I, I went 
I, you know, I, 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 I got a round off of him, you know, I think, mm-hmm. I think if, if, I think if I, you know, if I build my way up the loser's bracket and get to him again, I will definitely be able to win. <laughs> it's right. kind of the way he's talking here. Yeah, but that's like super not the case. <laughs> no, it's super not the case. He it sounds like they just got washed by this guy completely. Yeah, yeah. So that's not great. <laughs> Maybe maybe a charitable way to look at it is it's like, you know, even even when even when things are down, he's he's looking up, you know. Um, looking up at the plane that is flying <laughs> away from him. <laughs> oh fuck. Um <laughs> hmm. hmm. What are some other ways we can we can kinda like we, we we've gotta like we you know we're in the lab, we're testing the boyfriend moves here. Um uh okay. Imagine you're in you're in like high school or whatever. Mm-hmm. You've got a cool vampire boyfriend. Yeah. Um another vampire, uh-oh, that's scary, mm-hmm. has stolen uh your copy of Smash Bros. Melee or something. Yeah. Got, he, t- he took one of your favorite GameCube games. He took your Wave Bird. You know, he stole your Wave Bird from, at a party. Not Luigi's Mansion. Oh, yeah. yeah yes. Luigi's Mansion. Banger. Um, uh, your boyfriend's like, don't don't worry. I will go get it back for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Uh, c- comes back. Or no, doesn't even come back. Calls you from like the parking lot of a Wendy's or something that they just had like a big fight in, right? Yeah, yeah. And is like, oh, sorry, um, I uh, I haven't gotten it back yet, but it's close. I'm, I, you know, I'm uh, big, big things coming, you know. <laughs> uh, and it, and and it turns out that you know, like he just got completely washed approaching this guy in the Wendy's parking lot, and we doesn't does not even know where this guy is anymore. Yeah, yeah. If you if you find that out, you know, if 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 another one of his friends was there and tells you the next day at school, like, yeah, it really wasn't that cool. He just sort of like, you know, <laughs> you actually just kind of like turned around and like went boo at him, and your boyfriend started crying, and then <laughs> and he got in his car and left. Mm-hmm. Like, would you still mostly appreciate the gesture, or would you think that you had kind of been? sold a bill of goods about I mean, how cool your boyfriend was. I mean, if he, like, was. got beat up and didn't get my copy of, um... <laughs> I was trying to think of another game. Of Pikmin. Master Quest. Master Quest. Um, but, you know, he got it together, called me on the phone, and was like, big thing's coming. <laughs> still, still working on this. That's sweet. Okay, I, so I agree, but there's one critical difference there, is that Edward did not get beat up here. He did not even catch him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? No, it wasn't, yeah, didn't even get the opportunity. <laughs> Yeah, I think it would be different, you know, if Edward, if Edward, like, like, you know, in, in his, in his desire to, to protect Bella, put his life on the line and got beat up, and then the guy got in the plane and flew away, I think that would reflect a lot better on Edward, but they didn't even get that far, you know what I mean? Like, they were... (laughs) Although, counterpoint... Okay. The other vampire is running from them. Mmm, that's true. And, like, yeah, you're right. Like, the the airplane move, that was 
that was a real bummer. The fact that he got to do the, like, James Bond flying out of the hangar. <laughs> ha ha, see you losers. Like, that's definitely, that's definitely a thumbs down. However, his move was running away because if he doesn't run away, he will be killed. That's true. I guess maybe a better comparison would be, like, the classic, like, uh, if someone steals your purse on the street and then a heroic passerby is like, don't worry, ma'am, I'll get your purse. And then that guy, like, trips and falls, you know? Oh, like, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's maybe more of a better, like, a good comparison there. Like, the it thought trips definitely falls, still like, counts. down the street, you know? <laughs> I, I guess the I guess really what happened here is like Edward didn't like just just not catch up with the guy. He basically in this situation he <laughs> ran out into the street and got hit by a taxi that was driving up to the intersection. Like the guy with the What's purse is gone. Asphalt? <laughs> I saw a strip of asphalt with yellow lines painted in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> about about 15 feet wide oh fuck <laughs> uh, it's a car my worst fear oh fuck but you know the thought definitely still counts but also the guy did get away with your purse in that situation so right so and then i feel like i have to comfort the guy like it's so yeah, now it's your problem now it's your problem right like it's all right. Thanks for trying. <laughs> time to time to go report my credit cards is stolen. <laughs> oh fuck. Um I'm feeling generous, okay? I yeah. said that I was nearly prepared to go for 100 there. Uh-huh. What if we just split it down the middle and say we were going to give him 100? But the runway thing is like minus fifty, and we just give him yep. fifty. Yep, sounds that good. That sound, yeah, yep. yeah. It was a big swing on his part, but uh-huh. uh. <laughs> okay, uh, so plus fifty. Um, so plus fifty and minus fifty. Uh, uh, it's the thought that counts, is what I will log here. Wonderful. So, just to make sure, he is sitting at minus 425 from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, then he has gained 25 and gained 50. So hey, you know what? Even even not getting the full spread of, of the of the chase points here, he is now at negative 350. Which is kind of a big leap for him. Um, yeah, that's not too bad. In one week. Um, I am now noticing how just how few chapters we have left. And his chances of hitting zero, you know, getting dimmer and dimmer. But he did make a good step forward today, I think. Oh, for sure. Um how many more chapters do you have? I think maybe if you, if you have more chapters with Midnight Sun than uh-huh. I do in Twilight, I think maybe that's his like last shot to make up the points. Well, I do. I think that I have a threefer coming up. Ooh, soon. wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I let's see here. So 
You have one, two, three, four chapters left, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chapters wow. left. Wow. So I so there is an opportunity for points still on the table. So we are going into overtime. With mm-hmm. this, yeah, 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 okay. Edward, maybe he can do it. If he can get to zero, it's it's possible. Who can say? Um, he just needs to, to make more big moves like the phone call thing here, just not ones where he's also just been owned and rinsed thoroughly. Right, <laughs> right. before right. the phone, phone call. <laughs> it is the darkest before the dawn. That's right. That's <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> it's always the darkest before the the guy flies an airplane over your head that you didn't know was there. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um wow. Uh it's so refreshing to get a chapter where we're like fully split apart again after a while. Oh yeah. Um uh edward edward getting to do stuff off on his own is always a treat and i'm i'm delighted at how for a book that is like what 900 pages long yeah yeah you're, you're still getting some fr- some fresh badness in, oh, in yeah. that sun <laughs> oh well uh are there any last final notes from from your chapter um, I don't think so. All right. Well, in that case, I think it's probably time for us to take it to the close. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use that as our theme song. You can find them on Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash Shriekast. And Liz, what are we reading next week? I believe you will be reading a chapter called Phone Call. Mm. And I will be reading a chapter called Ambush. Ooh, sounds like somebody gets another exciting one. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, as thrilling as that sounds, please read another book. Please read another book. Ding, 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 wee, woo, wee, woo, breaking news, breaking news. (laughs) <laughs> we we missed something. Uh, Stephanie Meyer on her blog wrote a new post celebrating the two year anniversary of Midnight Sun, the the, the book you're reading. Uh huh. And do, do you want to read this? Do, do you want to read this? This is I'm losing my shit at this. Absolutely. In honor of the anniversary of Midnight Sun's publication, I wanted to give you all a gift. Some of you have probably already discovered this gift, but for those of you who haven't, I hope hope you enjoy it as much as I do. The book playlists, and there's a link to the playlists, are fluid things. One of the hazards of putting them together is that a month or a year after you've revealed all the perfect songs for any given book, you will suddenly hear a new, more perfect song that absolutely has to be on the list. Luckily, anniversaries are a great time to make additions. When I heard the song for the first time, I wept Edward tears. It so perfectly encapsulates his emotional struggle throughout the first third of Midnight Sun. Most of the lyrics are in Korean, so I will include an English translation. Yes, yes, yes. This is my favorite English translation, but there are lots of other versions if you're interested. Please enjoy The Truth Untold by BTS. Yes, 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 yes. Pumping and cheering. 
Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Stephanie Meyer army arc. <laughs> this is I couldn't believe what I was seeing. <laughs> the jump scare I got scrolling down this. We had finished recording the episode. <laughs> And I just like, went to Stephanie Meyer's blog to look something else up. And I noticed that we had missed this new post. Oh my god. New fucking lore. Footnotes. If you are new to BTS, BTS is made up of seven merch. She's got like a, a BTS like starter guide at the bottom a here. A little primer of the seven members of BTS. <laughs> <laughs> thank you stephanie stephanie meyer thank you so much <laughs> uh, she doesn't have comments enabled on her blog posts i don't think yeah no comments i mean i mean what is there to add to this it's it's simply it's simply beautiful simply thank you stephanie meyer for the gift of this update to your playlist for midnight sun Thank you, Stephanie. Oh, she cried Edward tears. That's powerful. I'm I'm looking through the translation of the lyrics here. You know that I can't show you me, give you me. I can't show you such a weak self, so I wear my mask again and go to see you. That is Edward. That is Edward to a T right there. Absolutely. Thank you, BTS. Thank you, BTS. Thank you, Stephanie Meyer. And we're, we will close out this special report. We just could not, could not end the episode without talking about this. Makes ocean raw seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.